If you have a Bible this morning, find uh, the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter number 19 is where we're going to be again. Uh, today is part five out of six uh, of our message series on the topic of depression and anxiety. And we've been using the phrase, out of the cave, out of the cave. Uh, and I've started every single one of these weeks pretty much the same, and I'm going to start the same today as well. And that is that just by saying mental illness is a massive issue in our culture and in our world. It's a central Minnesota issue, it's a Sox Center issue, it's a Minneapolis issue, it is a issue everywhere you go, depression and anxiety. And, and we are using kind of this word depression as a catch-all uh, really word for the darkness, the weight of the world on your shoulders, you get it. Uh, in fact, every one of us in this place, you know somebody well who has a serious, serious issue with depression or anxiety in their life. It is a battle that they face, and you've seen that in them. In fact, for some of us here today, this is your battle, and this is something that you have fought, and you maybe have been to psychiatrists and counselors and taken medication over the years. Uh, maybe this has been a long-term thing for you as a part of your life, and you know this real well. This has been our topic uh, for the past uh, five weeks. And understand this, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist, and I'm not trying to pretend to be any of those things, uh, but, but I just continue to say, I believe that we uh, have been created by God in the image of God, and that means that we need spiritual answers to things alongside of uh, medical answers and emotional answers and some of those things as well. And I also just believe in this book called The Bible, I believe it's the very word of God written to us from God himself through people supernaturally put together. And we see and we've seen in the Bible over and over and over again, we see this topic of depression. In fact, I was reading, I was reading a verse, this it just came out of my reading in the book of Psalms. It just said, put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so we, we have this idea of heaviness and depression and anxiety and fear all throughout uh, the Bible. This entire six-week series is based on the life of a man named Elijah. Elijah is a Bible hero. He's a miracle-working man of God from the Old Testament. But at one point in his life, he finds himself sitting under a tree wishing that he would die and saying, God, I've had enough. Take my life. Uh, and, and Elijah is going to find himself alone in a cave this is a physical cave, but there's symbolism here in this as well as this cave represents all sorts of darkness and it's a different kind of cave. Today we turn the corner. The first four weeks, we have not made it super long in the story and we've read the same, four, same thing over and over and over and over again. We are moving on. Everybody excited about that? Okay, that sounds fun. Wow, look at that. We're kind of into this. That's good. Okay, uh, but today... Um, we are moving past, I think, what we've been looking at is some of the contributing factors to depression. Uh, and whether depression is chemically based or the result of trauma, or I mean, there are all sorts of different reasons and situations that bring depression and anxiety on people's lives. Uh, but, uh, you know, some of that is even our life being out of balance. We talked about some of that stuff. All of those situations have contributing factors to the downward spiral of depression. And that's what we've been talking about. But today we begin the conversation asking, what do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of this? What do we do? And some of us may be prone to the, the darkest valleys more than others, but the reality is every single one of us 
at some points in our lives and at multiple points in your life, you will face depression and anxiety, uh, whether that's from somebody you love passing away, uh, whether that's from trauma, whether that's from a season of overwhelmed lifestyle, you will face anxiety and depression in your life, in, in, at least at some level. And so what do we do when we find ourselves in the cave? Okay, that's enough of an introduction. Stand with me all over this place, and we're going to read uh, the second part of our story today. New content. And so this is what happens next. And, and if you've missed the past few weeks, we'll talk about a little bit what's happened before, but... Basically, Elijah, this man, is running for his life in fear and anxiety, and he finds himself under a tree wanting to die. An angel shows up and gives him food and tells him to rest, uh, and this is kind of uh, where we pick up. Elijah goes on this 40-day journey to the base of a mountain where he goes into a cave, and that's where we are right here, verse number 9, Okay. Uh, It says this, there he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. That right there is a little bit of rumination. We talked about that last week. He's, he's, his mind is going in circles, and actually, we don't have time to go through that. Much of what he just said right there is actually not even true. He says, I'm the only one left. It just said a little bit earlier that there's like a thousand of them that are still, okay? He's like off in this, his mind is going nuts and he's lying to himself as he's in this cave. All right. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he's going to say the same thing. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazul king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, is what I'm going with, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel. Elisha will put together death. Okay, we got all this. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. He, God's just said there's 7,000 of them who have not bowed. Elijah said, I'm the only one. Okay, so you, he's a little crazy here. Let's pray. God, we just kind of take a deep breath and, and truly invite you into this moment. I know that there are people in this place today who are deep in the darkness of depression and anxiety even in this moment, and someone watching behind a screen who could not even get out of bed today. And Lord, I just pray. I pray that this would be helpful. I pray that this would be 
rooted in you, God, and that you would just overflow out of the scripture and into our ears and our hearts and bring help and encouragement and change. And so we just give this to you, God, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right, here we go. Got a lot to get to, so, so calm down. All right. Uh, this, this, the title from this series, Out of the Cave, we stole it from a book that is titled that, Out of the Cave. It's a fantastic book, by the way, and so if you're looking for a little deeper insight on this topic of anxiety and depression from a Bible perspective, I would recommend picking that thing up because it's been super helpful for me. And so some of the stuff that we've been taking from this series is from that book along with some other things. And so I said this the first week and I haven't come back to it since, but basically anything that sounds really smart and intelligent and great, uh, I stole from somewhere else, okay? And so uh, I'm not giving credit where credit is due in all the places, but just understand that, uh, that that's kind of how, that's kind of how this works. In that book, there's a story that the author tells, and I want to use it as an illustration today for where we're going to take this this morning. The story, in this story, the author describes a moment he had in an airplane, and he was sitting at the airport ready to take off and they were in the middle of a pretty severe thunderstorm. And there was lightning and there was wind and the rain was kind of pelting all over the airplane and different things. And the passengers are all like, is this safe? I don't know, should we do this? And um, if, you need, if you didn't know this, airplanes, sometimes if it, the storm is too bad, they will delay themselves. But oftentimes they just go right into storms and just take, and, and so that's what they did this time. And so the pilot gets on the loudspeaker and just kind of tells them, hey, um, there's going to be some rough air for a few minutes here, so just be patient and you're going to be okay, is what he tells them. And they take off, and the wind is causing the plane to do all sorts of things. And how many of you have ever been in a plane when uh, things start to shake a little bit and you, everyone starts looking at each other? Have you ever been there? Yeah, yeah. I can think of a few different times in my life where, you know, and I, there was one, man, where we, I feel like we, we dropped like 20 feet, just like, woof, and everyone just kind of went, whoa, and people are, uh, you know, all over the place. Uh, but in this story, he, tell, he tells the story of the wind is just impacting the plane in a crazy way. People are afraid in the plane. Uh, there's lightning striking all over the place, and there's, there's thunder, and it's dark even in the middle of the day, and you can kind of feel all of this. But the story goes on to say all of the sudden, the, the plane breaks through all of the clouds that are all over the place that are shaking everything and breaks out of the clouds into perfectly calm, beautiful sunshine. And they have now exited the storm and are flying above it. And everything, in a way, has, has changed. The, the, the storm is nothing now and all they can see is beauty and calmness and warmth. And they look down at the clouds below them and the chaos that is now underneath. Okay, There's wind, there's rain, there's thunder. But, and, and it leaves you with anxiety and fear like... Uh, but if you, if you back up sometimes and, or if you go above in this, in this illustration and take a different view, like you would see something very different. And here's why I bring this story up, and this is where we're going to really go today. Listen, like often the answer to our feelings of depression and anxiety is a change of perspective. It's a change of perspective. And our reality may be that we are in the middle of a horrible storm. 
in our lives, in our bodies, in uh, you know, our families, a horrible storm, okay? But understand, the sun is still shining, and it is good, and it is all around us. We just cannot see it. You understand that? Can you picture that with me, okay? And if we can learn to see the bigger picture or gain a different perspective in our situation, we can often begin the journey out of the cave of depression. And if you're in a season of depression and anxiety, even in this moment, understand that everything in your life right now is viewed through that lens. It's all that you can see. And and I don't mean to make you feel like you're doing something wrong because you're actually just totally normal in this. When you are in the middle of a storm, when you're in the middle of a hurricane in Florida, you're not thinking about, oh, what are we going to have for lunch? Let's meal plan for Thursday. You know, you don't think that stuff, do you? All that you can see and all that you can think about is the storm that is all around you. Like, uh, and, And as Christians, if we can learn to look up Instead of always looking around during these seasons, they can bring massive change and begin the process of coming out of the cave of depression. There, there's a part in the, in the book of Luke where Jesus is telling a story, and he's telling the disciples actually about the end times. Um, and he's painting a picture, like you read this in, in Luke, and, and Jesus is painting a picture of all sorts of horrible stuff that is coming to the earth. And, he, and he's saying like, there's gonna be chaos and destruction and war and famine and earthquakes and they're going to seize you and persecute you as my follower. You're going to be betrayed by your loved ones and there's going to be terror in the streets. This is Jesus. He probably didn't use like the, the, you know, the way I did it. But he's, you know, Jesus is telling them it's going to get real bad here on earth. Uh, all this horrible stuff one after another. And then here's what he says to them at the end of this conversation, Luke 21, 28. When these things begin to take place, Stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When the world is falling in around you, lift up your heads. In, in other words, we should learn to look up, not look around. Learn to look up. So how do we look up when everything is pulling us to look around? How do we step into, in a way, uh, some of what the phrasing we're going to use here, how do we step into a God encounter and allow Him to work in our situations? Uh, a couple things quickly, like first, I think it begins with us learning to express our emotions to God. Learning to express our, express our emotions to God. We see this all throughout the story of Elijah. Elijah does all sorts of things wrong in this story. Like we talked about those last couple weeks, he left his servant and wanders off all by himself. He's comparing himself to the other people. He's, he's mentally all over the place and lying to himself in his mind, okay, and all that stuff. But he also does some things right here. And one of the things that he does very right is his ability to express his emotions and his feelings to God all along the way. Okay, way back in verse number four from last week, this is like he sits down under the tree. I have had enough, Lord, he said, Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Now we look at that and we think, wow, he's like, we got suicidal thoughts. But understand, who is he talking to here? He's expressing that to God. He's expressing his feelings and his junk and all the the fact that he wants to die. He's talking to God about that. He takes what he is feeling, his emotions, his issues, his fear, his depression. He expresses all of that to God. 
God, I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. We see this again in verse number 10. Elijah says this to God. I've been very zealous for the Lord, God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Even though what he's saying there is like all over the place and not right, he's, he's lying to himself and doesn't even understand it in some of that stuff, but he's pouring out his emotions to God. Do you see that? Pouring out his emotions his thoughts to God. Um, now, what's interesting about this particular verse, verse like 10 that we just read, is that this was a response to God asking him a question. And so let me show you verse 9 and then verse 10. We just looked at this, but we're kind of bringing it up again. Verse 9, there he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. God speaks to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And, he, and then, this is where he replied that stuff in verse number 10. So understand, first of all, it begins with Elijah arriving, going into a cave, spending the night. Maybe he's afraid of lions or wolves or, I don't know, you know going into the cave. Um, but symbolically, he retreats into darkness here, is what he does. And then God asks him what he was doing. Now this, like, you can read through this stuff and not think about this at all. But think about the fact that God just asked him what he was doing. Does God not know what Elijah's doing? Like, th- th- this is not God is sincerely trying to figure out what is Elijah doing. God knows everything. God is watching him the whole time. God knows what Elijah's thinking. He knows why Elijah is there doing what he is doing. Like, like, don't miss this, even though God knew the answer without even asking. Like, I just think God wanted Elijah to talk to him about it, to express his feelings. And, and don't miss this, God, God likes it when his children do that. When they share all that, we're, all that we're feeling, all that they're feeling, without holding back. God isn't shocked by Elijah's response. God isn't disappointed in Elijah because he's lying to himself and he's gone off the rails. Like God isn't, like the, he's not surprised when Elijah begins to vent, unload all of this stuff. Uh, in, in fact, in this story, this was kind of interesting as I was looking at this, we see six different emotions that Elijah experienced and expressed in his ongoing conversation with God. Okay, first we see the emotion of fear. In verse number three, Elijah was afraid. We see a desperation in verse four, like I've had enough. We see a low self-esteem. I'm no better than my ancestors in verse four. We see anger. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, which might be rephrased as I've worked really hard for nothing. Okay, uh, we see loneliness. I'm the only one left in verse number 10. We see worry and anxiety. They're trying to kill me. Like all of this shows up in this story of, of Elijah and, and one of those feelings can be enough to lead you in a little bit of a spiral to depression and anxiety, let alone all of those. Do you, do you hear that? Do you feel that? But Elijah expresses his emotions to God. Now, now we see this all throughout the Bible and other places as well. Okay? And, and I want to teach you and I want to challenge you to begin to do this uh, at, at all different points in your life. To learn to express yourself to God no matter where you're at and what you're feeling. Okay, We see this all throughout the Bible. Let me show you uh, a couple of these quickly. Both these are from the book of Psalms. 
And the book of Psalms is like, it's like reading somebody's personal journal is what it is. Because uh, that's kind of, it's like poetry that people wrote, songs that they wrote is what it is. But it's really raw stuff when you read the book of Psalms. This is Psalm chapter 13. I'm going to read this to you. Check this out. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Like, God, how long are you going to forget me? Now, has God actually forgotten this person, the author here? No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. God doesn't forget people. That's a, this is somebody expressing their very raw emotions of what they are feeling, and they're actually venting to God that God's not doing what he should be doing. Now, if you're God, that could be offensive, but God don't take it like that. That's bad grammar on purpose, just for effect is what that was. Okay? God doesn't take it like that. He's not, he, he doesn't look at us and say like, oh man, you think I've abandoned you? You're a stinker. You know, he doesn't do that. God hears and he appreciates the raw emotion of his people, of his people. Like, uh, I, I love this stuff. Uh, this is how he feels. And understand, our feelings, this is from last week, our feelings are real, but they're not always true. We talked about that. God, how long will you hide your face from me? How long was I wrestle with my thoughts? How long, you know, day after day, I have sorrow in my heart. He's saying, God, are you going to help me out? Expressing raw, genuine emotion to God. Let me show you another one. Very much the same. Uh, Psalm 88. Just, uh, okay, Lord... You are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. My prayer, may my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. He like prefaces what he's about to vomit all over God here with like, God, I love you and you hear my prayer. And then he goes, I'm overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. And then verse 18, which is the book end of this whole thing. Darkness is my closest friend. This is Bible stuff here. I mean, it, it's, it sounds like secular lyrics of like super dark bands at a time, doesn't it? But, but this, is, this is Bible stuff here. People expressing their raw, lonely, nasty emotion to God. I'm completely overwhelmed with trouble. It's like I'm in a pit. I have no strength. And when you find yourself in a season of despair and depression and anxiety in your life, like learn to express those emotions to God. I've, I've heard of people, and I've never really done it this way, but I've heard of people who actually like yell at God and understand it's okay to do that. It's okay to express very raw emotion to him. Okay? We, we like to say pray first around here, but it is a great habit to get into when we go to God with our real raw emotions. Not, not using churchy words. Some of you are like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to say it. You know, you don't have to use church words in this. Be, be real with some of this. I, like, I have friends that swear at God. I don't recommend that. 
But, you know, if that's your real raw emotion and it just comes out that way, God isn't going to, like, zap you with electricity from the ceiling, okay, if you threw in a swear word talking to him. That, wow, I can't, that was not planned. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> but just, like, are you with me, okay? That's weird. The pastor told me I can swear at God. Someone's going to put that on their Facebook. I'm like, this is not going to go well for anybody, okay? Um, but just understand, God isn't surprised by your junk, He's not, he's not rolling his eyes. He's not disappointed. The picture painted in the Bible is of a God who loves and who cares and who genuinely desires for his children to cry out to him and wants to help in times of need. Now, it doesn't mean that all your stuff is going to miraculously disappear. And I don't want to make in, in any of this sound like, oh, that's all I got to do is do that, Okay. Um, but I believe as we cry out to him, we experience him, and we're reminded that he is near. Back to our story. Elijah expressed his emotions to God, his honesty, and in his honesty and in his desperation, he's going to be led to an encounter with God. Let me show you what happens next. Okay, verse 11 Elijah has just said all this stuff. It's not even true. I'm the only one left, God, and he's whining and he's raw. And, he's, and the Lord says in verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, okay? But he's not in the wind. Then an earthquake comes. The Lord's not in the earthquake. And after an earthquake came a fire, but the Lord is not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. See, Elijah expresses his raw and honest emotions to God, and his honesty and his desperation led him to a supernatural God encounter. And God tells Elijah to come out of the cave, stand on the mountainside, crazy wind tears the mountain apart, but it's not in the wind. And then we have an earthquake, and it says God's not in the earthquake, and a fire, but God's not in the fire. This is crazy stuff happening, like all over in, the, in this moment here. And, uh, like, but then came a gentle, a gentle whisper. See, listen, God doesn't always show up in the ways that we expect. The fire and the wind and the earthquake, these are like ways that God has shown up in, in the Old Testament to other people and other things and like as a part of different things. But God here does something and, and he shows them all this stuff and, and it's very purposefully, he's not in that stuff. And then comes a gentle, gentle whisper. And don't miss this. I believe, I believe with everything I am that God is still whispering to people today. And for someone in the middle of a mess of depression and anxiety, even here today, like as you learn to express your raw junk to God and you learn to listen, I believe that God is trying to whisper to you even in this moment. Not in a weird way. Not in, not in like an audible way, even though God can do whatever he wants, okay? Uh, but God wants to whisper. A few moments ago, we read a, passage, a couple passages of Scripture from the book of Psalms where, the, where this author cries out to God in the middle of his darkness and all of that, very real, raw words. But let me read you something else written by like that same author. Psalm, Psalm 40. Okay? We read the author at different times saying, darkness is my only friend, and I'm in a pit, and whatever else. Listen to Psalm 40, same guy. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. 
He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. I'm going to read that entire passage of scripture again. And my prayer is that those here today who are in the middle of a pit, who are in the middle of a cave of darkness, like my prayer is that these short sentences written a few thousand years ago would move deep inside of your heart and begin to bring hope and peace and healing. This is from the guy who wrote, um, okay, all of that other junk. I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Listen to me, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a counselor. Like I'm not, I'm not any of those things. I'm I'm a pastor. Uh, and some of us here today, and some watching even behind a screen right now, like the reality is that you that you need professional help alongside of this. And for too long, I think Christians have been have been painting this uh, picture that, you know, if you are depressed and whatever, that all you need is to cry out to God and everything is going to go away. I believe in doctors. I believe in medicine. I believe in counselors and people to talk to and friends who will help you along this journey. And in fact, I just want to say this, like, like chemical stuff in your body, for some of us, it's, it's real and it needs to be addressed. It's real for some of us. And, and you have chemical things that just aren't right. And medication can often do wonders to some of those things. Just understand that maybe you have trauma in your past. I don't mean to make light of this situation of depression and anxiety and just kind of like, it's not that big a deal. All you got to do is say a little prayer. Because for some of us, you're like, you don't know what happened to me. And I understand some of that. Some of you have have trauma inherited somehow in your family. Uh, Some of us even maybe have PTSD stuff, and it is very real. And I don't, and we're not here to tell you that you just need to get over it. That's, that's awful advice. And it's not good. You need help. You need help. And that's okay. It's okay to need help. Maybe you've recently lost a loved one and, and you are gripped with grief. Okay, we have all of these things. The darkness is real. Depression is deep. And I just want to say for a moment, like if you fit into any of that stuff, if you, then, then cry out to God. Do your raw emotion to God. Like do that stuff. And I believe God will show himself. But I also believe that you need, you need help. Help that in fact I probably can't give you. And so if you fit into any of those types of things and you're not getting the help that you need, I want you to, I want you to reach out to us as a church. Reach out to one of the pastors. Write something on a connect card and we are going to put you in contact with people who can help you in the right way, okay? So I just wanted to make sure that I said that. But I also just so strongly believe in a God, the God who created you created you in his image, a God who cares deeply, a God who loves massively, a God who is there and who is waiting, and a God who wants, wants you desperately to cry out to him in a very raw way. Not churchy, junk words, but sincere, genuine stuff from your heart. A God who knows the deepest stuff inside of you, but longs to be a part of this process, as we see 
okay, longs to show himself to you. Step into a God encounter, and I'm telling you, it will do significant things for you coming out of the cave of depression and anxiety. Music team, will you please come? We started the conversation today talking about perspective. And I want to bring you back for a moment to just the illustration of the airplane in the midst of a horrible storm. And the plane is shaking and the plane is blowing all over the place. And there's rain and there's wind and there's fear and anxiety. Okay, can you picture that with me? And all of a sudden, though, the plane goes through the clouds, exits all of that, and flies above it. The storm is still there, but the focus changes. Because when you're in the middle of depression and anxiety, again, all we see is what's around us. When you're in the middle of an emotional, heavy, overwhelmed season of your life at work or in your family or in whatever else, that's like, it's like all you can see all, everything around you is that. Today is just a simple, simple, simple message of let's learn as Christians and when we face those situations to look up because oftentimes a different perspective can begin to change things. And as we look up and as we express our raw emotions to God, we begin to see God move and see God do things in our lives. God, we pause for just a moment to, to attempt to make room for you to, to show yourself to us in our hearts and our minds, to, to whisper to people who need that. God, I pray that you would teach us to listen. And I pray, God, that, that in the same sort of way that we saw Elijah experience you, through a gentle whisper, God, I pray that that, that would become a reality to, to us and for someone in this place who is just so deep into the cave of depression and anxiety, and someone who feels like there is no coming out and that there's no one who cares. And Lord, I just pray, I pray that, that today and in this moment there would be a a sense of hope that maybe shines through even for the first time in a long, long time. I pray that people would get medical help if they need that. I pray that doctors and psychiatrists and medicine would be involved for those that genuinely need that, God. But I pray for every single one of us in the midst of our storms that we would learn to respond by expressing our genuine raw emotions to you and saying, God, I'm in, I'm in a cave and I'm in a pit. Where are you? God, will you show yourself to me? And Lord, I pray that as we do that, we would encounter you at different moments and different seasons. And God, that you would lead things to be different. So God, we, we come to you, Lord, with our stuff. And God, for someone in this place today, who has never started this relationship with you. And, and God, I, God, I'm not talking about going to church or, or getting confirmed or baptized or that stuff, God. I'm talking about someone who has never in their heart responded to your message and your 
good news and what you have done, the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that you just freely offer for those who accept it. Lord, for someone who has not done that today, let this be a moment for them. In fact, if that is you today and you're here and you, would, and you just say, I've never responded to the message of Jesus, I've never uh, given him my life, you can do that even in this moment. You can begin to pray and say, God, forgive me of my sins and change my life and thank you for what you have done for me. I I give you everything that I am and everything that I have. You can begin to say those things and uh, it doesn't have to be in churchy words in a churchy way. It doesn't even have to be in a church. You can be in a bedroom in this moment and make that happen for you where you you can be forgiven and free in a moment. And so God, we thank you for what you are doing and what you have done. We are grateful and amazed by you. We love you, God. And we pray all of this today just in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus. And everybody said...